who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Even hardened genre fans will find themselves whimpering at each new revelation. Publishers Weekly. The Infected Trilogy is an unabridged three-season audio fiction series from number one New York Times best-selling novelist Scott Sigler. Infected is a marvel of gonzo in-your-face up-to-the-minute terror. Lincoln Child, New York Times best-selling author of Relic and the Pendergrass series. 88 episodes, 53 hours of horror are free and available now wherever you listen to podcasts. Freedom is something fought for and earned each day. Whether from outside forces or from one's own vices. For freedom to exist, action must precede it. It's been three years since my last recording. Three years, I've been broken and beaten, working for them. Three years, I've been enslaved. The Algri, as they are called, are a ruthless, demanding race. They're an advanced civilization, the likes of which I could have never imagined. The Algri's world is one with great machines, wondrous metal beasts that can do the labor of the common man. They have eliminated any need for arduous work, any need for effort. 
And yet, here I stand, tired and bloodied, my muscles, body, numb, my bones are weak. Unending manual labor has made up the entirety of my last three years. Many days have been close to giving up. Many days I thought of finally falling, letting them collect my body and take it away. It would be the easier path. But I remember back to my time on the station, my choice to not take the easier path. So far, what has it gotten me? But I can't let that choice be in vain. Back on the station, you were my reason to hold on, to not act, to not throw myself into the abyss. Now, as the planet's unforgiving sun beats down my back, and my knees beg to buckle under the constant pressure of my labor, you're my reason to keep going. I promised you I'd fight Cassie. And I still am. I can't let myself get this far for nothing. I, I can't let it end here. Otherwise, none of it matters. So every morning I'm woken and sent to the labor fields before the sun rises. And I return to my modest bunkhouse every night after it falls. I continue, propelled by the stubborn belief that there has to be something more. There has to be a greater purpose to this. Is this what you call spirituality? A belief in God? I don't know. But it's this most likely misguided belief that allows me to endure. Maybe it's just narcissism. Am I worthy of a better ending than the rest of my species? The ones I saw perish during the tragedy. Am I special? I know the answer is no. I wasn't worthy of surviving then. I still don't think I am worthy of it now. But I am here, and I have something the rest of those on Earth never got. A choice. A choice to endure. And so I do for you, Cassie. And for the many who were never given the option. I left behind so much pain amidst the tragedy and have arrived to a sea of it here in bondage. I'm starting to fear that pain is the default setting of the universe. 
Maybe there's something to that. Why do the Algri do it? Why put us to work when there's no need? When one of their machines can easily do the job of 10 slaves. Alone in our bunkhouse in the rare times we're able to speak, we've often wondered that question. Are the Algri all sadists? Do they live to see others suffer? Could it be that simple? A species so one-dimensionally evil and dark? That answer never seemed enough for me. They are cold and calculating, never getting riled up or expressing emotion. Whenever they are about to reach a point of losing any control over their emotions, the hymn breaks out. I first thought of the sound as something beautiful, as something to admire in the years since. I now know it's just the opposite. The hymn breaks out when they beat us. It exists as a dark rhythm to their madness. Could a society get so far gone, they forgot what pain is? So detached from reality, they go looking for raw emotion, real pain in lesser beings? They need not work. The machines take care of all their worries and obligations. It seems somewhere on their path to greater convenience, greater technological advancement, they broke something within themselves. They eradicated struggle. They made pain obsolete. They achieved the unthinkable, but they discovered unintended consequences to their noble pursuit. They grew numb to real experience. Without the lows to qualify the highs, they lost meaning and purpose. They lost themselves. It's in our nature to want to feel, to want to express. It's not in our nature to seek out pain. So what do the Algri do when they've lost all feeling, yet can't bring themselves to choose to reclaim their own pain? They harvest ours. They enslave others. They put us to work. They torture us. They make us suffer. All to remember what pain is so that they can feel without having to feel. I don't know how many slaves are on this planet. In my sector alone, there are thousands of us, all different species, different languages, different cultures. Amidst the pain, I'm still grateful to have learned what I have from them. I wish I could bring this knowledge back I wish I could share it, but I still fear there isn't much of an earth to come back to. There was one other human I encountered in my time here. He arrived shortly after I did. I'd try and speak to him, and try and ask questions, but he didn't answer me. He never said a word. At night, the bunk room shook with his cries. 
This went on for some weeks. Silence during the day, unbreakable sobbing during the night. It made sleep for the rest of us nearly impossible, but no one told him to be quiet. No one took offense. We understood. And in some ways, maybe even envied his tears. This went on until it didn't. One morning, as we got out of bed, he wasn't there. And that was it. I was angry that morning. Not because I was concerned for my fellow man. Slaves disappeared often here. I was angry because him gone meant I was again left without any way to get answers to my questions of Earth. The other slaves and I do talk. A shared knowledge has developed amongst us. Part allegory with bits of other alien languages thrown in, even some English. Through them, I've learned a bit more about the Algri's world and way of life. Maybe everything would make more sense if there was a cartoonishly evil leader ruling the Algri. Some pharaoh that needed to be toppled. But apparently the Algri did away with sentient leadership centuries ago. After their machines changed their life and eliminated hardship, there was no need for a more human quotient when it came to governance. Government and leading their civilization became nothing more than a logistics role. And just like so many other roles in their society, one they deemed best outsourced to their machines. I haven't spoken to you in three years because I was ashamed of my predicament. I had no hope. I didn't want these recordings to be used as an outlet for my misery. I didn't want to be a failure. I didn't want mankind's first documented time on an alien planet to be nothing more than misery and servitude. I know now that was a mistake. To feel pain, to fail, is to be human. It's why we are here. Otherwise, we're no different than the Algri. I will no longer be ashamed of my suffering. That suffering is what gives everything else meaning. It's what uplifts the positivity we create. I used to think the quote, a righteous person falls seven times, yet rises again, meant we should not be afraid of our failures. We should not let them discourage us. But I know now that isn't the full meaning. We don't succeed just because we know how to get past our failures. We succeed because we have failed. It's the failures that benchmark us and allow us to grow. It's our failures that instill the value of each success we reach afterwards. We're not here to focus on the achievements themselves. Without context, they are meaningless. Instead, real meaning is derived from how much you grow, how much you get up after you have fallen. 
My time here has allowed me to realize the opposite of pain is not pleasure. The opposite of pain is no pain. By removing pain, the Algri haven't achieved endless pleasure. They've achieved no pain. They've removed themselves from experience. They've put themselves to sleep. Following their misguided ambitions, the Algri lost themselves. I almost made the same mistake. How can one being seek complete dominance over another? How can existence allow for such darkness? I ponder this thought longer if I hadn't already seen what the universe or any god behind it is capable of. I might as well just add intergalactic slavery to the running tally of eight billion presumed lost on Earth. Amidst the torment of those around me, it's easy to see no greater purpose, no greater meaning in any of this. But then I don't need to look very far to see where no greater meaning leads. The Algri are the end result of following that path. Slaves themselves to their own basic instincts. And that's all that's left of them. After their own need for agency has been removed. Willing to commit such atrocities to fill the gaps in themselves created by their own doing. With them as my warning, I now attempt to do the opposite, to do the impossible. I search for meaning in the darkness, meaning amidst the pain. I found it in the bond that I've made with the others, different species, different experiences, but a shared hope for something better. Struggle has a way of unifying a group, even one as diverse as ours. The Algri may have their hymn, but we've created our own. We slaves are building something. The Algri have grown comfortable, content, unguarded. They've avoided pain for so long. There's a plan now to remind them what they've been missing. I've always been more comfortable following orders, but now I hope to help lead this movement. If my time on the station taught me anything, it's that this life isn't meant to be lived on standby. I'm not prepared to take a single day for granted. I am taking action. And the Algri are going to realize they picked up the wrong man in space three years ago. 
It doesn't take much to rally the desperate, the suffering. Just enough of a spark and a promise, however vague, for a chance, for the possibility of something more, something greater. We have that spark. We're uniting now. I don't know if this is why I survived on that station. I don't know how any of this ends. I don't know if anyone will ever hear these recordings. But I know I have something worth fighting for. For the first time in a long time, I have found a purpose. One necessitated from three years of suffering and hardship, but one worth fighting for. It means to feel pain is to live. To live is to be free. Cassie, I love you. I will fix this world. And then whether in death or life, I will find my way back to you. Keep on calling, I can't breathe 
You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy. But how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were, and it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But... I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com.